Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man! Wow, man, freaked out! You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for a change. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, I hope someone's recording this. So settle in for a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150,000 ranked podcast in the land. Ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any question? Here's BD. Season three is here. And as I mentioned to you last week, we were talking about bringing some of my favorite touring people along. Uh, we've all been kind of touring around the world a little bit and doing shows and the touring world is back and it's been a little bit uh, kind of crazy. All these bands have been kind of going through all these variations of touring and they haven't uh, they haven't been out on the road for a long time. We've had crew on last week talking about what they were going through. And as I mentioned, I'm going to have a few uh, different scenarios pop up over the course of the season where I'm going to have various members of, of bands and, and, and agents and managers and all the rest of it that, uh, that have some time to talk about what they've been going through as they've been rescheduling and having all of these kind of uh, scenarios pop up that no one's ever seen before. So uh, on Monday on the Kids on the Escalator podcast, which is the other show that I do with my friend uh, Chris Machete, we talk comic books and movies and film and all that good stuff. And we had my guest this week on as well he's decided to hang around and uh, be gracious enough to you know give me some time on this show where we're going to change it up a little bit and talk a little bit more about touring music their brand new album all the rest of it so uh really happy really happy to bring to the table here good friend matt from trivium how you doing buddy live from very your good. twitch live from your twitch yep very good man how are you good to see you i'm good man it just feels like a couple of days ago it just feels like that, a few days ago. Was that yesterday? Was that two days ago? I, I never well, it was know Monday. When. Yeah, it was. It was Monday okay. that we. Uh, it was Monday that we did it, and uh, and uh, you've been busy since. And as I mentioned before, to anyone sort of like uh, uh, paying attention to online, Matt's one of the busiest guys uh, <laughs> in the land when it comes to online Thanks. and and doing his Twitch and all the rest of it. It's really great. So Thanks, man. Uh, we just uh, we just finished a little bit of a run uh, through America and uh, almost Canada. And uh, on this uh, on this little run here, uh, Megadeth, Lamb of God, Trivium, and Hatebreed, who got added when Inflames uh, couldn't make it due to some of the stuff that we're going to talk to today, which is, uh, you know, obviously some protocol and some of the things that we've been going through. So um been a while since you guys got going on tour and some stuff, and we met out there and bonded over coffee. There you go, some coffee that I've got going on today. And um, it was awesome to kind of get an introduction to your band, even though I've done shows for you before in Vancouver and off and on, we didn't get the time that we did on this run, you know, a couple of uh, couple of weeks together to kind of hang out and catch up. So let me start by, uh, you know, saying, hey, this is Matt from Trivium. They got a brand new record out 
right there. It's beautiful cover. Look at that. We talked about it the other night. We'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, they got a warehouse. That's now a hangar. Well, it was an old air, airline hangar, which is amazing. Uh, and uh, we did a whole bunch of shows together in fields just like this in arenas filled with people. So this was your reintroduction to touring in this new world, my friends. So tell me, what did you think? <laughs> it was amazing. It was so good to be back. It was so great to be back and so great to finally be in front of people again. Um, thankfully, I've been able to, I've been streaming on Twitch for the last four and a half years. And as the last four years, I've been streaming five days a week, two times a day off tour, seven days a week, one to four times a day on tour. Um, so I've always had people and I've, I've been able to be connected and continue connection for other people this entire time. However, to finally be playing shows in front of other human beings in the same room was really amazing. I didn't mind any of the protocols and stuff we had to do. Our band and crew all were fully vaccinated. Then I had breakthrough. My wife had breakthrough. Um, we had our tour manager who was looking a little bit sniffly, a little bit questionable on one of the days. We dropped them off at a hotel in Odessa. We tested ourselves four or five times, showed up the next day. I was able to talk to you, talk to a couple people, talk to people in tour, like, check this out. This is all of us right now. We, we can keep doing this all day long. And we kept doing that to make sure we kept a little further away, double masking, just to make sure the shows happened. And the shows still happened. We didn't miss one show, didn't have one band guy go down. It was amazing. Um, it was great, too. None of the shows were events where we heard about stuff. We didn't hear about anything happening because they were all am amphitheaters. They were outdoors. People were in seats. And even people in the pits, even people in Knotfest. Like, it's... It's it's good. It was good. It was good. I didn't mind every precaution. I didn't mind wearing a mask everywhere but on stage because I just wanted the shows to happen, and they did, and they were wonderful. Yeah, it was quite something to watch, um, and you guys were, you know, right in that great spot on the tour of, you know, second artist uh, out, and really, uh, basically, we're at, you know, 80% capacity in the venue by the time you guys got on, so you had some great crowds. Did you have anything, uh, anything in particular, any show in particular um, that you loved? more than any of them what was the crowd i that kept ranking over? them like some people i remember i'd see people be like oh of course he said this city was the best or we were the best they they all do that i was like no i actually do hold a very specific competition like people have to top yeah. the ones and i will keep being honest and i will keep telling them like who the last best one was if you were to count let's say just the festivals not fest was the best blue ridge has a lot of work to do blue ridge if you want to have us back you got to fix all your stuff that was not that is not how you run a festival um not fest was incredible though um megadeth lamb of god the best show was minneapolis for sure that was the craziest crowd but there were so many best ones minneapolis rogers chicago <sighs> how about rogers arkansas Mexico. you know rogers, rogers arkansas, arkansas was you know that's walmart money there but that venue is amazing and it, and, it, and when awesome. you see it uh, if you're there in person, I don't think anyone on there, if we look at this touring schedule here and where we went and all the different places, uh, I'm not sure anyone on their bingo card had Rogers, Arkansas as the best show. And that's not, not a, not a hack on Arkansas because Hey, you know what I mean? To whatever everyone does is what they, is what they do. But that is not the one that I thought would be the one that would beat all of California, all of the Northeast. I mean, Rogers was like in third place for the tour, which is crazy for the Megadeth shows Minneapolis that being first they got the, the venues got Rogers the, the venues got the big like the big LED wall and it looked yeah. like a mini Coachella like you guys framed out really well if you want to see some yeah. great photos go on on um on Sarah Dope's uh Instagram page you got some great stuff of you guys 
out there as well. Uh, but she got some really great stuff of Rogers in, in particular. It looks like you're playing a mini Coachella. So it was that amazing. was awesome. Rogers was so good. The food was good. The dress rooms were good. I was able to do jujitsu that day. Uh, it was it was a great day. That was, that was a really good day. I mean, there were, the greatest dress room of my career though was in Denver. Uh, that was I forgot what the name of the venue was. I, was this on this tour you mean or on, the on this tour on this tour i think yeah, you guys gave, I, th I think someone gave us the wrong dressing room but i wasn't going to say anything i could say it now and i hope that happens again wink <laughs> wink brett it was giant it was bigger than my house the dressing room like we well we played in, an arena matt we played in yeah, an arena everything was big yeah. still because because there were a couple of arenas we did where we had like a little closet but this yeah. one was like walk in there's an office with its own shower and bathroom then we had like a, a an open area where we were able to do jujitsu walk through a giant locker area and then like 10 toilets 10 showers like if you give me clean toilets good showers and a room i could do uh, do jujitsu and play call of duty and catering then the stage could be the stage could be a hole in the ground like as long as i have a toilet shower good food fiber internet and i could do jujitsu that's a lot of stuff i guess and i'm happy but that was you that were, you were mentioning about about playing those bigger shows um but what do you prefer you guys did a few club shows on this on this trip yep. so you did a few of your own in in anticipation of the release of the album and and you know the song uh, was out there doing doing some great stuff while you guys were out there doing it so uh, I mean, those big stages are amazing, but what do you what do you prefer? What works best for your band? I mean, I, I think that we're a very physical band, so either works, but if you can give us a big stage and we can use our production, like this this tour we decided, it's like, hey, we're, you know, we're direct support. Let's not bring too crazy production because when we headline, we do have a lot of stuff. I remember right. in Concord, California, Mustaine actually asked me, he's like, hey, what do you guys normally bring out when you headline? I was telling him, he's like, okay, because it's like, I noticed you guys didn't have that much on this tour. I was like, well, we didn't want to bring up too much, get in the way. And he, he hinted at me. He's like, bring more out. So hopefully, and if I put it out in the air and I put it especially out with you, especially with you and your people at Live Nation, like, I feel like leg two needs to happen. And if I say leg two is happening, I put it out in the, in, in the, in the, in air, the universe. It's going to happen. Yes. Yeah, so it's right. out there. So we're going to say leg two needs to happen. And hopefully it is happening. But we're going to bring more stuff because we got the blessing from the man himself. So we're going to bring out a whole bunch of stuff. So hopefully some dragons. <laughs> No, I'm serious. Like an inflatable dragon to kind of that's, that's what the... we want to. We want to bring out golden dragons on stage. And I told Mustaine that, and he he said it sounded like a good idea. So, <laughs> let, give me leg two. Give us some room for for dragons, and we'll bring them out because because we know it'll fit. So that was cool. That was cool that the man like he talked to me about talked to me about staging and production, and you guys should have big shows and do your thing. I was like, well, we just didn't. It's true. We didn't want to get in the way. We just we were just happy to be touring. So I we guess wanted I'm, to have uh, as little of a footprint as possible. I should bring Patrick in on this conversation and yes, see if he's got any more room on his stage. Yes, yes. <laughs> that, yes I'm sure I wonder if that. Dave had the same uh, the same conversation with Hatebreed. You guys should bring more stuff. You guys should bring <laughs> yeah, way more stuff. When he told me, stuff. I was like, all right, Dave. And I, I, I told my band immediately, I was like, Dave wants us to bring more stuff. Um, the club shows, yes, but you're asking. The club shows were insane. What's really cool, the club shows, American tours have always done all right for us. I feel like America's always been pretty good. Canada's always been insane. Canada's always been at the same insane level for, like, yeah. as, as Europe. South America's a whole other level above everyone else. But our, our American headlining shows felt like freaking european shows our orlando show looked like a spanish or a portuguese show just with and what, what that means is the crowd is non-stop moving singing every single thing our pittsburgh show the entire crowd was smiling the whole time I remember all my crew all the crew guys for a band afterwards were like i haven't felt a show like that in years 
And they were like, it's just so positive and so happy that everyone was in such a good mood. Like, I've got the VOD on my channel. You can watch it. The whole crowd is smiling the entire yeah. show, singing and screaming every single Orlando, they were singing and screaming every single guitar part. That's why when you start singing the guitar parts, that's like Latin America style. Yeah, That's like totally. romance country style. That's like Portugal, Italy, France, Spain. Those are the football chant, like Iron Maiden show style. So to see that make its way over to America has been pretty awesome. But Wichita was insane. Boise was insane. Uh Pittsburgh was was the winner of the club shows, and if you consider Orlando part of it, Orlando was even better. So everything just kept getting better. Um, these were the best American shows we've ever had ever. I'm super bummed on Canada, but what's good is Canada having to get moved to leg two makes leg two a little bit more realistic. And a whole bunch of stuff just got opened up up here as far as capacity and all the rest of it. So uh, I think let's do all know, of Canada, man. I think let's we're not probably on our way out. I think we're on yeah. our way out. Pretty let's soon. Do Vancouver. And, let's do Saskatchewan. Let's do Winnipeg. Let's do it all. Do you know all your provinces? I don't. I don't. But I do know. It's where funny to- how we as Canadians know practically every state. <laughs> do you Canada know the provinces? Like, There's, yeah. No, I don't. Ontario. That's for the next Columbia. One. Pop quiz. Uh, yeah, no, I know those two. But I so, can tell you where to eat in multiple of the cities. Montreal. You want to eat at Le Bremner which is an incredible seafood restaurant that is Chef Danny Smiles, who was underneath uh, Chef Chuck Hughes, who's, I believe, Canada's probably most uh, popular chef, one of. Um, Vancouver, Mutant Sushi, as you and I have talked about, the giant mutant sushi mm-hmm. you have to eat there. And that's awesome. You've been doing our shows back at the Commodore. I love that venue. That is such a nice yeah. venue. Great dressing rooms, great stage, great venue. I've done jiu-jitsu many times on that main floor in there. You do a lot of jujitsu out here. It was uh, interesting to watch you kind of randomly. I, I wasn't expecting that from from all of a sudden set up backstage and there's a full wrestling mat and uh, you're you're literally like you guys were leaving it all out there. Oh yeah, you were yeah. literally I, wrestling. I currently and, have yeah, I currently you have an wrestling just anybody. You had a partner. You had a training partner with you. Yeah, Andre is a retired professional MMA fighter too, and that, yeah. that dude is a beast. He's our head of security. He was, uh, I believe, his record was nine and two when he retired. He just got his black belt uh, a couple days ago. His striking is his specialty. I'm not a striker. I, I'm a grappler. I'm currently wearing a compression ice sleeve because my MCL is either strained, sprained, or slightly torn. So yeah, jujitsu. I, t- I take it pretty seriously. I love it. I've been doing it for about nine years. I keep it keep it up with me on tour. I've I've been since I got into it. I've been still training on tour, uh, three to five days a week on tour. But at home, it's five days a week. I love it. Is that your mental break? Uh, there's a couple. I've got a couple because I'm, ext- I'm an extremely, I know it doesn't seem like it because you've only ever had like really calm, we've only ever had great calm conversations over good food and coffee together. Um, I'm an extremely high anxiety person and the only way I can quell my high anxiety is by doing a lot of things. That's why I do so much. I do my channel, all the socials, uh, Ashtanga Yoga I've been training since 2011, Steel Mace I've been doing for a couple years, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for nine years, gaming, uh, gaming, Jiu-Jitsu, Steel Mace, those things all help me kind of find that flow state, which is one of my favorite places to be in life where I'm not thinking, I'm in that meditative state. Same with gaming, if it's the right competition, the right lobbies, I, I can find that relaxed flow state and my brain finally goes silent and that happens a lot of times in shows with enough rehearsal and that's why i rehearse so damn much my stream you know a lot of people kind of look outside in like i was matt playing games the whole time well at home on tour 75 90 percent of the time it's me rehearsing trivium songs for trivium fans Mm -hmm. and so it's just me training it's me training because my philosophy is i want to be in shape for trivium 365 days a year 
So that way, if I have to make a record tomorrow or I have to go on tour tomorrow, I'm in shape and I'm ready to go. Um, and that's just the way I prefer to do it. So that way, when I walk on stage, I'm so rehearsed and so practiced vocally, guitar-wise, trivium-wise, that I don't have to think, do I know this song? Can I hit these notes? Do I have the stamina for this? Is my screaming going to work? Do I know what's going on? I could just let go and enjoy the show. People don't understand that um, it really is a work out, you know, to get ready to go on tour. People think, and I think definitely think it's changed a lot. I mean, I've been... I haven't drank in a, like I'm coming up on three years now. And that was one of those things where I touring can really play havoc on that side of it. And just mm -hmm. even just having a drink a night or something or a beer a night or, or some kind of thing. And mentally, you know, it can, it can wear you down. And I, I always tell people, I'm like, well, I got to get ready to go on tour. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I got to get into my fighting weight. I got to get good because, you know, I've got to train for four weeks, five weeks leading in. I try to be active when I'm home, but I got to train for four or five weeks leading in pretty hard on, because you're not going to get enough sleep out there. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get the diet that you're used to out there. And it's, you know, as, as best as we try to make catering good, it's a, it's a thing. You've got to mentally get there. You got to physically get there. And I don't think people realize the toll that touring takes on you. They think it's all partying and all the rest yeah, of it, oh, but man. you can it's attest exhausting. this last tour, there wasn't a single person backstage that wasn't, yeah. you know, part of the tour. And, you know, that's changed everything. So mentally touring has changed, you know, touring, I think is going to change here a little bit over the next little bit. So what do you think of this new kind of touring that's, I think upon us for at least a couple of years and I'll, I don't want to call it COVID touring, but it's, it's definitely some kind of, there's a difference here. Yeah. I happened. mean, what's, what's funny is, you know, people are asking me, Oh, how do you feel about all the extra precautions, wearing a mask, et cetera. The big thing going into all of this sickness, COVID vaccines, mask regulations, everything. I, I look at Portugal, Portugal has no one left to vaccinate. And I looked up why they never politicized any of it. Everyone's like virus vaccine. We don't, we're not going to think about this any other way. And I did the same thing. I thought, I've gotten tons of vaccines as a person, as a kid, as a baby. My my kids have had, what, 20 vaccinations to the, to the time they're three. Hepatitis A, B, and C, chicken pox. There's a freaking chicken pox vaccine now. I would have loved to have the chicken pox vaccine and not have chicken pox. All these different things. When you go to South America, in different parts of the world, you have to get vaccinations if you're going to go by the jungle or these different places. So I just thought of it as, I don't want to get sick and die. I just want to play shows and do jujitsu and eat food and hang out. So I got it right away. I've been wearing a mask on airplanes for the last maybe 15 or 20 years. So I'm like, I got to sleep on an airplane. I might sleep with my mouth open. I don't want someone, A, putting an appendage in my mouth while I'm sleeping. I don't <laughs> yeah. want someone sneezing in my mouth. I don't want to breathe in other people's farts. And these are things people need to think about. Don't, don't think about, don't think a mask equals politics. Think about, do you want to breathe in someone else's farts? Like, that's just the way you got to think about it. Same thing on right. a bus. I have been sleeping with a sick mask for the last 15 years on tour. So this was no... This wasn't even an adjustment for me. This was easy. I, I'm the I'm the guy that puts on latex gloves and Cloroxes the entire bus anyway. Like I Clorox the hell out of my bus, bring my own sheets before I ever even get into a tour bus. So this was this wasn't like a shock to me. And yes, I sleep with the paper sick mask. I've been doing that for 15 years on a tour bus because I figure I might open my mouth while I'm sleeping. The AC vent's going to dry my voice out. I'll sound like crap the next day yeah. or someone might be sneezing or Budweiser McDonald's farts across from the, the bunk alley. Like these are the things that I need people to think about and not think of it in, like like some alarmist. Like it's just gross stuff you're trying to keep out of your face. And so for I think me, more people are it, concentrated on that now. 
Yeah. So for me, it was like it was a pleasure. Like I was like, all right, great. I don't have to I don't have to smile at people as much. I don't have to smell people's breaths. You know, it's right. it was easy. Like because I just wanted shows to happen for having not had shows in two years. It yeah. was nice to just be able to play shows. So Especially I, I would have done a brand anything. new record yeah. out. I mean, did that record was that record basically a, like we're sitting around and let's make a record or was it already sort of planned to an album? in that 2020 well i know you put one in 2020 but i'm just saying was there a plan all along to to go for it or did you just have all these extra songs and then it turned into the what some are calling your best album ever the last three i believe it's the last three i might have to verify with paulo and Corey. sometimes my memory can be a little shady but the last three we didn't have a plan hey it's writing time and actually we've only ever done one record where it was all right guys you need to make a record this is your writing time this is your recording time that's the crusader i, I stand i'd love that record to stand by it but that's not the way we work we need to work in we're feeling inspired we're feeling good let's make some songs so this record came about I think with Trivium, we're all such workaholics for what we do because we love to work in our band. We love to be the best at each of our thing. So when you re- when you take away one aspect of the, the ability to work and the ability to go kill it on stage and play tours, we just filled it with something else. We filled that space yeah. with more Trivium work. And I remember, I, I think it was one of the earlier riffs. I was one day playing a new guitar, came with the riff, uh, the verse riff, Fall Into Your Hands while streaming. I had one of my moderators clip it for me, send it to me. I sent it to the guys like, hey, I came with this thing in, in, randomly on tour. What do you think of it? And Paulo and Corey were like, you know what? I have a riff. I have a riff too. So we all started sending each other riffs, realizing that we were capturing lightning in a bottle. That's the way we like to write records. Mm-hmm. Material starting to present itself. Let's grab it. Let's harness it. Let's hold it. Let's start working on it. Let's get in the room together. And the phrase I've been using is organically improvise. Organically improvise and let these songs write themselves. Because the way we write, as selfishly as it sounds, and it's the best way for us to write, is we write the kind of music the four of us want to hear, the four of us want to play. We don't think, is anyone going to like this? Is anyone dislike this? I think once you start doing that, and once you start thinking, I want to go grab this fan over here, or as I, there, there's two phrases, I, I call it the fictitious fan and the boardroom fan. When I, I imagine bands that are like, let's go grab the people that like this kind of music. When you start doing that, you're no longer being true to yourself. If you want to make changes and try different things and you're a heavy band, you want to go soft, you're a heavy band, you want to go proggy and different, that's fine if you genuinely want to do that. But if you're doing that to try to grab someone new, it's you're going to lose the spirit of your band. So the spirit I think of our so. band, yeah, the spirit I, of our I band agree. Is just, I agree with that. I, yeah. cause I think that you, um, if you th- look at some of the bands and <sighs> there's a lot of bands guilty of this, which make trend records. Mm-hmm. And I really think that it's, um, all bands are just trying to cut a career. And how do you carve out a career? You've got to keep it interesting for yourself, obviously, and push yourself. But I think if you, to your point, but you're making records for you and you guys to enjoy listening to back your own, you want to listen to your own stuff. It's like actors watching, you know, their own films. It's like, you want to be able to be proud of your work and listen and watch back. And you don't want to be looking back on timestamp it and go, oh man, we really sounded like this band then. Well, remember mm-hmm. when we tried our grunge phase? Remember yep. when we did that, you know, and it, and I think that it just disconnects the fans like crazy versus that that um just like authentically writing for yourself like exactly making, making the stuff that made it fun in the first place i mean we just had a yeah. conversation with our record label the other day we weren't talking about us doing this stuff but we we're just hypothetically talking about and you think about and you know this as well as i do and the two of us probably know this world better than the chat and your listeners it's like the way people try to write for radio like what a 
double-edged sword of a game that is because if you start to try to write like people that had a successful genre or song and then bands start hiring songwriters to write song like someone on alt rock rock radio or on pop rock radio but try to make it rock then you're already several steps behind trying to chase up to something that someone else already did then you're already behind on this thing and you know it doesn't correlate like live shows versus record spins versus radio these are three things that kind of float around and for metal metal is always we don't write for that format we don't write for rock radio if our stuff works on it awesome play it if you need an edit where there's a little less screaming some singing sure but we're not going to write a song with a rock guy and put it on a record however if our stuff works it works because we've always loved melody we love melody but we also love extremity so it's yeah i guess that we could talk about talk for that but then you get it you get it right you know then you get it right though and it's feast of fire comes out or something you're like and then it blows up and it's doing really great so then you kind of go huh yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then, then that's tapping back to just what felt good to make. Like we've always, I mean, since our second record, Ascendancy, we've had songs yeah. that are of that realm of Feast of Fire. We had a song called Die in Your Arms that we just loved making stuff like that. I Actually, we had two A&R guys when we first got signed to Roadrunner, and one of them hated Die in Your Arms. He's like, this shouldn't be on the record. And that song ended up making BBC Radio 1, which is like, that's everyone's on BBC Radio. Like think Adele's of all the Radio bands 1. that have been told that. Yeah, think of all yeah. the bands that have been told to not put that song on the radio. I, yep. Isn't there a famous story about about um, I remember you from Skid Row, and they're like, "We're not putting this on the record." Could you imagine what kind of career they would have had? Yeah. I, mean, I remember when we were doing that. we were doing uh, "Sounds of the Snow." The producer was like, "Until the world goes cold" is not going to be a radio single. I'm like, <laughs> what? And Paul's like, "I bet you it is," and the guy's like, "It's not going to be." And so sometimes it's gambling, and it absolutely was. It was our only time we ever had a top ten single. Um, but yeah, it's it is weird. So I, I think that the key for rock and metal is to make the kind of music that makes you feel good to play, makes you feel good to hear. Pop's a whole other story. Like pop needs to be perfect, and I think there's a. T- I, I love great pop music. I think all the last several Justin Bieber things have been amazing. The last record, the new single is great, and they have to be perfect. And that's why they require one to ten songwriters or one to ten producers because they have to be perfect and there's a time and a place for perfect pop music but for metal to make perfect metal to make metal correctly uh oh just one second i hear that's a child child yeah one second that's fine (laughs) we all have dad duties as it goes through and you know children uh, will uh play havoc with that so matt's gonna deal with that uh a couple things i was gonna show you though while while matt's uh got his uh doing dad duties um matt's got a uh, where uh, they bought a, a hanger tribune bought a hanger how cool is that and you know what a great place to do rehearsing and what a great place to to plan out a live shows in this hanger that you get that uh, you have matt back now so what a great idea and uh, i'm he, sure like, he spilled milk sure. on his face and was pissed he spilled milk on his face well yeah it sounded like he just that. broke his arm but that's all it was <laughs> we've all done that the um uh so basically, I'm I'm always fascinated by by it because it's lightning in a bottle, as you said. And I I think that this tour was really great for you guys to go back out on tour, and it just seemed to be perfect timing because some bands had put a record out and then they couldn't tour it, and it's sort of over. And you know, I think a few bands caught a little bit of luck, uh, kind of getting a tour in before everything shut down, and then now you guys being one of the first ones to get out there, I think was very beneficial. And I would think. That it's probably been very beneficial for the record. What kind of feedback 100%. are you getting on on it? 
Yeah, well, what's really interesting, too, is like, you know, when I first ever heard of this Metal Tour of the Year and I saw the lineup before the world shut, I was like, man, hopefully 2,500 to 3,500 people, this is going to be insane. Like, th that was the numbers I was hoping for. And this tour was five to 10,000 people a night. That's that's insane. That is insane for America. It's insane for metal. Um, the new record, I mean, we never thought about any of the good stuff going on. We just said, what's, let's just make this thing. And yeah. to hear people saying, hey, In the Court of the Dragons, your best song ever. And then, hey, In the Court of the Dragons, the best record you've ever done. And then press coming around and talking about us and bands coming around and talking about us. Then we're like, all right, we did something that flipped that script of me saying it's just our fans. But still, it was all about us first, then our fans. For the, as far That's as the, the way music, to do it. The fans, yeah. the fans will feel that live. They'll see yep. it live, and you can see it live. You yep. guys killed and it. Our I'll last show a video record, at the end of this. But what the Dead Men say, um, we'd finished that record. The label said, hey, you guys should hold on to this and not release this because the world's looking a little bit weird looks like it might shut down and we said we don't care We're like we don't care about album sales we don't care about vinyl sales like just get this thing out get it out so people have something to enjoy something to listen to if the world truly is about to shut give them this record for free let's go so we got it out and it was just about just about making our fans feel good yeah. um and then that's when we did a lighter distant mirror our our first pay-per-view show we've been streaming all of our shows for free for the last four years on Twitch and doing a couple sure. free Twitch events. And we said, hey, let's do a proper pay-per-view. Let's take everything we have saved in the bank. We're not we're not a big band. We're a medium-sized band. Let's take everything we got saved in the bank, invest that into this show. Let's let's buy staging. Let's build staging. Let's hire Muse's lighting director. Let's get a real crew out here. Let's follow all the protocols. Let's get everyone down get a real venue. We did all that. And our manager was like, hey, if no one buys tickets to this, you guys are going to be broke for, I know, I have no idea how long. Thankfully, because our supporters are the greatest in the world and they understand what it is to watch this live and watch, watch a live stream, they bought good tickets. So then we were able to take that cash by the airplane hangar. So it was this, it was this taking risks, like strategized, and I hate to use words like, that's that's been one of the weird things too like hearing a lot of band guys talk about their bands using like kind of buzzy tech words nowadays but here i am using buzzy tech words so strategized risk with our band that each time ended up working at least what the dead men say into a lighter distant mirror into the airplane hangar into yeah. the court of the dragon and then in this tour so yeah if the world hadn't shut i i don't know what the ticket maybe the ticket sales would have still been the same um, I don't think that was a bonus necessarily. Well, you know, but. I think it would have been a different thing. I think it would have been like, oh, we've seen them a bunch live. Mm -hmm. Now they're offering this new thing, right? So yeah. now, because all the bands did that. And I think that um, the biggest problem around that time with band streaming is that um, a lot of, there were some bands not putting a ton of effort into it. So it was just them jamming in a room. And I, and I think that some of it got lost yeah the, like i, I the, felt like hey man if you're gonna charge you need to make this thing something special like this you, you, you gotta you gotta go for it and that's why anytime like we've got tears yeah. for ourselves like we did like a, a twitch festival show the two nights after orlando show it was in the jam area part it was off the backpack i streamed the shows in the mix center great the, the visuals were fine but yeah. like that's what we imagine is like the free tier that's like for our channel that's for sure. our people and then when it's time to do something special if we're going to ask people to pay for something live and especially nowadays like since live streams aren't necessarily a necessity it has to be something special so we'll make sure it's something special if we do another one I'm a big Foos fan. Like I think a lot of us are a Foo Fighter fan. And um, the thing about that band is that their video, they're, they're filmed a lot. Every band is filmed a ton right now, but they're filmed a lot. And the show has sort of been, you know, once you've seen a Foo thing, it's sort of like there's a lot of the, a lot of the endings are kind of the same. They jam out a little bit. They do a few things, but then they did the live in LA at a club and it was going to be a paid per view show. And I was really stoked. I'm like, okay, cool. This would be great. And I thought maybe there'd be a bit of a change up. 
because it's like this new thing and maybe they do something in it and it was kind of like what i was like Ugh, I, I i'm they didn't really change anything <laughs> and it's not uh, like in the, i understand at that time the, the tech was a little bit wacky but um i was like oh, i would have loved like them to like do a whole motor red like motorhead album <laughs> like yeah. or do yeah. like do like something awesome. like, oh you know and then they did they in essence added the dgs their their little their their 70s kind of disco thing which was funny down the road but at the time i was looking for something just a little diff- different so i'm glad that you guys recognize that put yep. the production in and i think it paid off for you and now you have a hanger so there we are yeah i wish we could have <laughs> used that production on megadeth but it was I, I the tour would have laughed at us it's so much stuff it would take up all the space <laughs> like that's the kind of thing trucks. like if yeah if we were headlining we could have done it but so let me so let me go the other way with this then and it comes back to the production side is that you know keeping in mind covid and and some of the things that we've had to go through you probably witnessed on this tour some guys went down Mm -hmm. uh not band guys per se we everyone was fine but we had a lot of production guys go down we or occasional production guy go down monitor guy go down lighting guy go down which made everyone else have to kind of step in yep and fill in so in this this particular case that like, you know, if you brought the extra production, um, you probably have might, to start losing it. Yeah. You probably have to start like, losing it. Yep. And yep. you have to take that into, a con- I think, into consideration uh, contingency. So, yep, definitely. you know, have you guys internally talked about that? Like, I mean, I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This we came into this in with district- like many contingency yeah. plans for everything. And what was amazing is how our tour, this tour, handled it. Like, someone would look suspicious. We test everybody that was around them. You're all good. This guy's not. You're going to isolate so you're good. And there was no reason to make that stuff public. And we didn't, which because we made sure this is outbreak. It's not an outbreak. Fine. Because we need to start recognizing this and thinking this is because I'm vaccinated. I had breakthrough. It's like this thing needs to become endemic. Like it needs to kind of everyone needs to get immunity in their own way, however they get it. And we need to keep moving on because it's unfortunately it looks like this is going to be a yearly thing. It's like swine flu. Swine flu is baked into our flu shot. So mm. it's we don't shut down when a singer gets food poisoning, when they get bronchitis, when and I've had bronchitis, tonsillitis. I've had every kind of sickness in the world, flu, food poisoning, all this stuff on tour. But I've had to continue performing anyway. I've had incredibly infectious sicknesses while being on tour and we just played the show like regular so it's good it's great the way we handled it we didn't miss a single show um contingency plans going in we all talked about extensively like all right matt's had breakthrough he's not going to get sick if one of other of us go down i was like all right flying in a musician's tricky thankfully we play to a click we play to a click and we record every single show so paulo's idea was let's say paulo goes down and he has to go somewhere else. We run his click. We run his bass tracks that he recorded from the first couple of shows for all the shows. Say mm-hmm. Alex goes down, same thing. Corey goes down, same thing. I go down, which is unlikely, same thing. And I said, if everybody goes down, if all three of them go down, I'm the last man standing. We're not canceling the show. I'll play an entirely acoustic show. Um, so we could we you have done it? Could you have done it? So what you're saying is, is that you would have ran the show without a drummer and just the three of you playing. And we would have had Alex's tracks from the tour. Yeah. Or from rehearsal. And that's something. So like, that would have been something yeah. to watch. It was kind of yeah, like... Because like, yeah. we're like, dude, screw canceling shows. Like, yeah. we saw a lot of bigger tours doing it, and people kept announcing, like, our, the crew member of the first of the six bands, his yeah. guy tested positive, or his aunt tested positive, so we're going to shut the whole tour down for two weeks. And yeah. it's like, man, we as 
middle of the ground working class metal guys we cannot do that that will kill us yeah. especially for having not made a penny off touring in two years so we just came in like let's just do this thing right and that's Great. why when rtm went down and we we're like we need to up tripping you gotta up your stuff two masks stay the hell away from all of us even though you're good gladly just let us play like i'll, I'll freaking sleep in the park you guys should put together your contingency plan and share it with the world and be like yeah. if you want a tour this is the trivium guide yeah. to contingency plan yeah you, you gotta the, the show comes first like when it comes down to a tour the audience is first like i know we're talking about like hey when you're writing music it's all about us like what makes us feel good when it comes down to a tour sure it's for the audience that thing has to be great and when you start freaking them out like all right today a crew guy went down but don't worry we're still going there's then they still like i don't know if i should go to that show now so when we noticed it wasn't spreading at all i i, I thought our tour handled it amazingly yeah. and i think the word should get out how well we handle it we as in the production team and the four bands because we just kept thinking safety of the crowd first show must go on we must give the people the show yeah. they need and and i love that we a lot of tours went down and uh and you know by no fault of their own i think everyone did on all the tours is relatively wise to the idea that some protocols need to be in place and i think yeah, the absolutely. ones that are following it are doing everything they can and then the ones that that aren't are gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna to feel it and there's yeah. gonna be some cancellation of shows and if you're doing a club show a club tour or a theater tour five shows is that could cost you the whole tour yes so. yes i mean good point when i saw that. stadium tours it's like well the opening band had a light guy that tested positive for it but don't worry we're shutting the whole thing down for 10 days it's like this tour would you wouldn't even be able to run it at that point you would have lost so yeah. much money it would have killed the bottom line of the tour um and that's mm -hmm. that's that's the reason why our european tour just moved and we had people go well you could have gotten the uk you could have gotten in germany it's like yeah but the other 12 countries on this run if we can't get into three or four of them, that kills the bottom line, hurting all four bands, all the crews, all the workers, everything. So sometimes people need to think of like the you know bigger picture outside of just me and the self. And that's why when we were handed the initial protocols, we're like, that's fine. And even though at least as far as the precedent went, me having breakthrough, like technically I didn't have to wear a mask because I don't think I could have spread it within that first month or week. But who knows? Maybe it's mutated since then. And, but I was like, whatever you say, I just want to play shows. I just want to play shows. I don't. If you tell me I got to wear a freaking hazmat suit all day, I will do it as long as I can play this. How show. are you feeling? We're COVID buddies, by the way. We both had it. Obviously, yep. I was a part of the first wave, and thank my friends in Manchester, England, for that. But <laughs> how are you? How are you feeling post? Are you okay? Great, you great. Okay? It was we. I, yeah. My wife and I had five to seven days of feeling seventy-five percent. Uh, the first night that I had it, I had a couple cocktails. Um, I had. I had some weed tincture. I don't know what the cool kid phrase of weed tincture is. So I had COVID. I was weed hungover and booze hungover <laughs> and had our kids that just got tested positive and was underslept from them having fever dreams. So I just felt that was the worst day. Um, yeah, that was the worst day of all of it. So having been through it, I mean, five to seven days of feeling 75%, I was still hitting the heavy bag. I was still using steel mace. I wasn't doing jujitsu, obviously, because didn't want to have anyone around me. Um, and for the first, I'd say maybe the first week after that seven days, my lung capacity felt a little shrunk and it's built back up. Um, Ashley said she felt that lung thing for maybe a couple of months, maybe two months with breakthrough that it felt a little tighter, but she said it's, it's worked its way out. My dad had one shot, uh, got sick in between, was laid up for 18 weeks, hospitalized twice, almost died twice, has Jeez. scarring in his lungs, heart, liver, lungs were all damaged a bit. Um, and he's only finally better 19 weeks out, which is crazy. It's not even that he didn't want the second shot. He just got sick in between. 
So if I think about my genetics, like if I would have only had one and gotten it, I probably would have had it. People have it all different, varying, mm-hmm. varying ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I still got a bit. I'm still battling a bit. I was yeah. running a lot in St. Louis and some of those humid areas. I did the Rocky Steps in Philly, but then was you can check that video out on Instagram, and I'm huffing and puffing, and I, all I have is cardio, man. So trying to get yep. that back was was a tough thing. Yeah. But I'm glad that you're that you're back to it and you're feeling. Yeah, good. I I think I notice it sometimes, but then like today during jujitsu. Absolutely nothing. So I think that mine is maybe psychosomatic, and I think I handle stress in like a lung way and in a stomach sure. way. So sometimes I think that it might be that, but maybe it's stress. But thankfully, I, I got through it, and I think if people do their part, people get vaccinated or they've had it or whatever the heck it is. Like I look at my my family's genetics. My dad had one shot, almost died. I had both. I was fine. So if I didn't have any, I probably would have had it very bad. And I don't, mm. I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to miss streams. I don't want to miss jujitsu. I don't want to not be able to eat good stuff and drink good stuff and drink coffee and drink whiskey. And I don't, I don't want to miss any of that. So I want to stay healthy all the time. And I've had no extra arm grow out or arm fall off or do weird things. And yeah, nothing's sticking to us. None of the spoons yeah. are sticking to us, right? No, no, nothing. Time to play a game, buddy. Still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Time to play a game. All What's right. That? So we bonded over coffee. Uh, I got a little segment on here I like to do every now and again with my coffee lovers called the espresso shot. I'm going to hammer you with five quick questions uh, that are going to cover off some of your favorites and a little bit of advice and all the rest of it. And then I'll let you get out of here because I know you're running. You got uh, a billion things to do and you got milk to clean up. So, um, (laughs) all right. So this is the espresso shot on the Brenton on Sewer podcast. It is back for season three. This is Matt Heifey from Trivium hanging out and we are going to talk coffee. And it starts with this. Your favorite coffee region. Oh dang! From where it's from, or where it's where it's drank. Your favorite coffee region from where it's from? Probably Ethiopia. It's a good region. I like it. Yes. What's your favorite bean locally to drink, or just ship in, or find around the world? Wherever company you're or specific bean. Specific bean, or like hey, types. When I'm here, like when I'm here in this town, this is the you know the, the place I got to go to a coffee shop around the world. Doesn't matter. But your favorite in cup of coffee is Sydney, Australia. Single Origins Roasters is my favorite. In California or in San Francisco, which one's the one in San Francisco? Uh, Portland, Stumptown, Orlando Lineage. What's the one in San Francisco that rules? We went Blue to bottle. Stumptown. Blue Bottle. Yeah. Uh, advice for po- someone coming into coffee for the first time to come. Matt, never drank a coffee before. What do I do? <laughs> I would start them. I also love mystery diner coffee. Like sometimes oh, yeah. it's really crap, but sometimes it's I did a awesome. whole review. Well, we had some in where were we? Yes. St. Louis. We went yes. for breakfast in St. Louis and that, had some yes. mystery that, coffee. That yeah. place was good. Like I, I do like, I think rooster was the name of the, the restaurant. Yeah. I do yeah. like mystery diner coffee. I think there's something nostalgic and amazing about it. I think if someone has never had it before, I would, I, even though you've shown me that video of like what your coffee drink says about you, I think starting them with something with milk would be a safe bet to kind of like ease the taste buds in sure. and then show them how good it can be without anything. Um, Not I a bad usually, plan. I always recommend them yeah. to go black, but uh, what do you do? Yep. Uh, it's got to co- be coffee, good. It's going to be good for that. Yeah. Coffee gear. What are you working with gear at home and on tour? Oh, Ashley got some special machine. I forgot what it is. It's it's like, it's, it's not the top of the top of the line fancy, but I remember when we did Vengeance Falls at David Draymond's house, he had a really killer version of this machine 
And Ashley's like, what is that? And we bought that modern version of it. I'd have to go check. I could check right now, but it might take a second. Um, but it's it's a good, it's a proper special machine that grinds everything. It's got the milk frother on it. It doesn't have the milk thing is built into it. Is it a Breville? It. Is it a Breville? Mm, that doesn't sound right. Copy. Is it? They, they have a various versions of it. There's so many yeah. versions it's like, of it. But it's you like have a gear. Proper, proper machine, yeah. Proper At machine. home, I was bringing, or on tour, I was bringing you AeroPress to, um, I, I didn't see if you guys were traveling with anything on in your dressing room or on tour, but on the bus, yeah? On the bus, it was just the standard Keurig, uh, the, the pods one. So it's fine in a pinch, but we always prefer real deal. Final question, the biggest coffee myth that you want to debunk? Ah, the vocal thing. So my whole life, I always thought caffeine and coffee wrecks your vocal cords, especially towards the end when my voice almost blew out in Vengeance Falls. And I was like, all right, I can't drink coffee on tour anymore because it's hurting my voice. Uh, it was Matt from Avenge when the lessons finally started kicking in. I remember we were talking by text. He's like, yeah, man, all the talks about reflux and caffeine and diet and all this stuff. He's like, it's just technique. You have to learn the technique properly. And like that other stuff doesn't really affect it. Like caffeine sure a little bit drying, but so is working out. And you just fix that with hydration. So coffee and caffeine, obviously drinking a pot of coffee on stage, yes, you're going to get reflux. It's going to mess your vocal cords up. But drinking coffee during the day for, as a singer, a couple hours before, an hour before, you know, after, it's fine. It's fine. So that is a huge myth for singers. That's the Espresso Shot with Matt Hafey from Trivium on the Brenton on Tour podcast. Back for season three which is pretty rad. Uh, I'm going to let you get out of here, man. I know you got a rule. So uh, the In the Court of the Dragon is out now. Awesome cover. We talked about it on the Kids on the Escalator on Monday night. Thank you so much for doing two podcasts with me this awesome, week, man. man. Really so this was a blast it. of a chat, man. Both were awesome. But this, you know, anytime that you do a chat and it feels like it's been five minutes, you know it's been a really good chat. Uh, where can people find you online, man? Twitch.tv slash Matthew K. Hafey at Matthew K. Hafey on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Discord. It's all there. Matthew all K. The uh, I played this the other night on Kids on the Escalator podcast. I am going to play it again. This is what Trivium does best. They do it live. This is from, uh, not best, out in the middle of a field in, oh, well, that's Matt Hafey from Trivium. Thank you so much, man, for coming by. Awesome. Thanks, my friend. You go buy their new record, man. Here we go. Oh, yo, get the fuck out. everybody for joining this week on the Brenton on tour podcast that uh it was matt from trivium a uh, great guy spent an awesome awesome run with those guys they were so uh great to be around and hanging around all the time always popping in to say hi and brought it live with a hell of a live show uh really really cool and um pick up their new record in the court of the dragon now it is the 10th album by those guys and they put a lot into it. Uh, it slays. They're having um, 
some major success with a bunch of songs on that record. And uh, I know if you got Octane, I believe on, on um, if you got Octane on Sirius Radio, I believe Feast of Fire is is doing really well on the big end on what it is that they have on their countdown. So great song, great energy, great guy. Again, with this series talking about uh, touring and sort of what we're doing and what we're up against. You heard him touch a little bit on there that they're pretty heavy on their contingency plan. They're pretty heavy on their plans overall to continue playing shows uh, at no matter what, what the cost. And so that's a very interesting perspective from that band where some other bands are just shutting it down and just and taking it all down. So those guys were very, very prepared for that, which I think was really, really cool. So, um, and you could tell their work ethic is crazy. Those guys, uh, you know, they, they practically, practically rehearsed the whole show in their dressing room before they go out there. So you see a lot of bands, you can see it online. A lot of bands do a lot of rehearsals in their dressing rooms and things like that. This band, same thing. These guys are individually, uh, unbelievable musicians and you can tell on stage when they bring it. So yeah. Awesome. Two appearances by Matt this week on things that I'm on uh, with the uh, kids on the escalator podcast on Monday, which was awesome with Chris Machete. You can go there to check out our chat about video, retro video games and horror movies. And then today, of course, uh, with this, which was uh, touring and all the rest of it last week, touring round table uh, with a bunch of guys from the crew this week, Matt, one of the artists, uh, it's going to continue uh, various chats. I've got a whole bunch of different kind of guests coming up. I got an all women panel coming up which is awesome i'm super stoked to get the the female perspective of what they're going through out there and um lots of uh different people that are involved in the industry from buyers and what i do for a living and then other chats coffee obviously i worked a bit of coffee into the mix today with the espresso shot and the return of the espresso shot on the brenton on tour podcast which is always fun to do talking coffee and um you know i got a lot of different guests coming up that are going to cover some different things so BrentonOnTour.com is where you can go to find all of these things. Uh, find me online at all the different places, as well as over at dmondell.com. Like, subscribe, all that stuff that people are telling you to do. Sure, if you want to do that, that'd be awesome. Join me over on YouTube. Add me over there. That'd be great. Um, but mostly, just keep tuning in. That's what I want to see. I want to keep uh, keep those seeing those numbers rise and you guys sharing this with your friends and, and, and getting lots of feedback that... Uh, that you're enjoying the chat. So thank you so much. It is season three of the Brenton on tour podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next week. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. 
Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.